Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Crawl. Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I trust that something you hear in the next hour will open you to a whole new infinite field of possibilities in relationship to activism and social change. Hopefully you're curious about that. So imagine, can we awaken consciousness and contribute to social change while we're doing so? Our guest today says the use of consciousness-based practices like meditation and prayer support collective transformation. He calls it subtle activism, a bridge between the consciousness movement and the movements for peace, environmental sustainability, and social justice. In this next hour, we're going to explore the inner dimension of social and planetary transformation. I invite you to take a few deep breaths, bring your awareness into this moment, open your mind, connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Dr. David Nickel is the author of the groundbreaking book, Subtle Activism, The Inner Dimension of Social and Planetary Transformation. He is co-founder and director of the Gaia Field Project, founder of the Subtle Activism Network, and co-founder of Be the Peace, one of the world's largest annual global meditation events. David teaches classes on subtle activism at the Shift Network, California Institute of Integral Studies, and through the Subtle Activism Network. A former environmental lawyer from Australia, he now lives in Berkeley, California, with his wife, Kate, and dogs, Jackson and Peaches. Welcome, David. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm, like, excited to have you and talk about this content, but also um, the Australian accent. I just love <laughs> listening to anyone speak with that, so I'm really happy to have you here. Hey, David, I have a traditional first question here on our show, and I would be remiss if we didn't go there. So I'm going to start there with, and you're going to love this one, I think. David Nickel, what does all things connected mean to you? Um, to me, that just feels like just the simple nature of reality, and that's obviously a eternal truth that mystics in every tradition have discovered. Um, so to me, it feels like a baseline realization that we are called to remember over and over again, um, and... Uh, for me in particular, it feels like it's the, it's the basis for this work that we call subtle activism, which is it's really about remembering that that reality, that fact of our, our deep interconnection, and having that inform you know all aspects of our life, not just our personal lives, but also our collective life. You know, what kind of society, what kind of politics would we have if we live from that realization? So to me, it's just a very, very fundamental, uh, eternal truth that we're called to remember you know, every day. Mm, 
Thank you for that. I, I, I love how you talk about that in every area of our life of really embodying that. So thank you for that. And you have done that. And there's so much to talk about. I have your book right here. It's packed. It's an incredible reference book for all of our listeners. So I'm going to remind our listeners over and over about this book today. But let's start from the beginning before we get into the book and talk about your story. Here you are from Australia, used to be an attorney, and you also had a really interesting experience that you share in the book about your teen years that really sent you in a different trajectory. So I would love to hear, David, how did you get here? What's your story? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's been a, a you know, me- meandering path to get to this place where I feel very clear about what you know, my calling is in this work of subtle activism. But uh, essentially, what happened was, uh, you know, I was brought up in a very um, traditional, politically conservative uh, household uh, in Australia, and um, I, I always had. A deep interest in politics uh, and especially in history, the, the great drama of history. I, I was always drawn to the essential significance of our you know, this epic story of what's happening on the planet. Um, and then in my late teens, I had this very, um, at the time, it was a disturbing experience. It was an awakening into the fact of impermanence. Um, and it it pretty much came out of the blue. I was at at the time I was engaged, deeply engaged in, in a very um, traditional path of achievement and uh, with academics and sport and, and feeling that that was very meaningful. And what happened was um, I just this this realization entered my head about the fact that I would die. Um, and that at that point, anything that I would have achieved would uh, be in the past, and I couldn't take it with me. And it just, um, it, it was more than an intellectual thought. It just penetrated all the way to my absolute core and overturned everything. And um, it, it, was the, it was the thing that sent me onto the path um, and... I became interested in mysticism and especially Eastern paths of mysticism, and um, and so you know, that became very fundamental to my life from that point on. Um, but at the same time, I, I still had that sense of uh, passion about politics and about history and the significance on the collective level, and so I kept on finding myself drawn to what what's the meeting point? How do we bring the magic and the power of spiritual transformation. And you know, increasingly, as I kept on the path, I, I, I was experiencing the profundity of, of that path in terms of my own life. Um, and you know, in particular, the, the, how we can transform our own lives so you get connected to that source of deeper guidance. You get uh, connected to that feeling of being in the flow of the um, the organic unfolding of of life flowing through you and orienting your life to that unfolding flow, you know that becomes very clear. I think for many people on an individual path, 
And my question was always, uh, well, how could we tap into that wisdom to inform our collective unfolding? Um, and so, you know, I followed my nose with that passion, with those, you know, those, the passion for spiritual awakening and the passion for political transformation for many years. Um, it it, it uh, caused me to, uh, I mean, I did go into environmental law thinking that that might be a way that I could bring those two worlds together, but I found that I, that, that wasn't the path for me. And then I was um, drawn to a very brilliant uh, program out here in California, the Philosophy Cosmology Consciousness Program at California Institute of Integral Studies. Uh, and this was like an incredible matrix of, um, of spiritual scholars from all around the world who are um, asking the big questions of what's happening on the planet at the moment. And um, it was a very fertile ground for me to, to connect with what became this path of subtle activism. Um, and um, so subtle activism emerged sort of organically through following those passions. There was one incident which was quite pivotal, which I like to tell, which was um, I became involved in campaign for um, Dennis Kucinich to be president in 2004. And I don't know if you were, uh, uh, if you can remember those times, but he was he was a, a breath of fresh air at the time in that he was running on a platform that was very clearly an expression of uh, a spiritual worldview, um, a worldview that all things are connected. You know that that came through every aspect of his campaign. He was very boldly uh, camp, you know, talking about that at the highest level. And it was bringing many spiritually minded people uh, into the political arena where they usually you know, were more reticent about that. And so I was involved in his campaign. And then with a, with a few friends, we decided to try to activate the, the spiritual dimension of the campaign more explicitly. And so we uh, arranged for a series of global meditations to support the campaign. And it just, um, it was a really amazing experience. It took off like wildfire. We had people from, I think it was like 64 different countries who participated uh, because he was getting international interest. And what was very uh, interesting for me was that it, the experience of doing those meditations lit a deep fire inside in that um, they they were activating three different vectors of profound meaning. Uh, was bringing together in one practice the the power of and the significance of a presidential campaign, uh, the the breadth of planetary consciousness, having people from all around the world, and then the depth and profundity of meditation. There was something about those three streams coming together that created this very powerful flame inside of recognition of somehow this is what I'm called to do. And so um, from sort of following these sort of organic experiences that emerged this vision of, of subtle activism, which is really a, about that, it's like linking the practices, the consciousness-based practices with these uh, events in the public sphere that have that have real significance. Mm. 
I love how that organically emerged from you, just really listening to that unfolding flow in your life and and following that deeper source of guidance. Um, So here you are, you, you were in it. Um, You're doing all kinds of, of really incredible projects. You wrote this book. Let's, let's talk to our listeners a little bit about what, is subtle activism and what it's not. You do a really beautiful job of weaving the spirituality and science into this shared intention. And you fill this book with all kinds of um, incredible research and uh, other work that's been done. You really did a, a beautiful job weaving that. But let, let's, let's do that, David. What is subtle activism? Sure, yeah. So subtle activism, as I'm defining it, is the use of spiritual or consciousness-based practices for collective transformation. And the emphasis is on the practices. Um, it's, it's, there's something about going beyond talking about these sorts of things, thinking about these sorts of things, but actually engaging in practices together that enact these realities. So, um, and there's something about emphasizing the practice too that um, is about it's about making the claim that the practices when we engage in our spirituality, it's more than just preparation for action in the world. Uh, there, there can be a view in uh, certain forms of engaged. What's, what's usually known as engaged spirituality, that spirituality is important to prevent burnout or to open up to inspiration that can then inform uh, an inspired action in the world. And uh, this work is very much in support of that, but it also is making the claim that um, our spiritual practices themselves can be a subtle but potentially crucial form of action. Uh, in the sense that it creates, at a very causal level, a shift in the collective consciousness that we can seed certain uh, energies or presences or or uh, thought forms in the collective that can uh, initiate a certain um, motion that leads to positive change in the world. And so, it's very much it's all it's I always present it as a um, a both-and sort of concept so that we're not saying that that alone is what is needed. You know, of course, we have to act um, in an overt way and to, to make this uh, grounded and, and real. Um, but at the same time, this is a, an element that is, it feels like a potential that has been overlooked um, and not fully uh, uh, harnessed, and these days with the technologies we have and the capacities now to link thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, potentially worldwide in these synchronized events, we're very, you know, I'm very interested in the power and the potential of those events in and of themselves to initiate change in the collective sphere. Mm. So we're talking about, you know, synchronized global meditations prayers, rituals, um, um, but harnessed going beyond 
the focus on personal change, um, harnessing the, the transformative power of those practices uh, to influence the collective sphere. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about your work, David, and you speak about this in the book, is really differentiating, um, you know, beautiful practices, there's, a, there's, there's meaning and purpose for the individual path, but really elevating that and moving spiritual practice into the collective and, and really that transformative power. You also talk about the science. So if, if any of our listeners are out there going, well, of course, prayer works, but seriously, you know, what, what's the transformative power? You really bring in a lot of the science of this. Let's talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, um, you know, there's there's a lot of scientific research into these areas of um, mind matter connections and mind to mind connections. Um, so, you know, this is a controversial area in science, primarily because the very notion that this sort of thing could be effective, could be real, goes against the materialist paradigm. Uh, and so one of the things to look at is um, differentiating like the scientific method of uh, doing experiments and uh, finding out truth about nature through this sort of approach of um, empirical research. Uh, as, so distinguishing science as a method from science as an ideology of materialism. Uh, it really doesn't have to be linked. That's what you know, many many people in this field uh, make that point. Uh, so, you know, there's been over a century of research in the field of parapsychological studies, which uh, there's quite a lot of significant evidence that in very tightly controlled, rigorous studies that show the possibility of um, people transmitting uh, information, images, uh, symbols, uh, that sort of thing from their minds to someone else's minds. Um, and um, you know, quite a few of the, of the leading series of, of Psy studies show fairly consistent, uh, statistically significant evidence that that is possible. Um, and um, I mean, it's a vast area of research. It's it's very hard to summarize in in a short time. Um, uh, but that's a sort of background um, data for this sort of idea. Um, and uh, specifically, most of most relevance for this work, uh, two two studies that have been done, series of studies. Uh, one is associated with the transcendental meditation movement, and it's known as the Maharishi effect. And uh, very fascinating studies. They've done over 50 studies where they look at what happens when you have a group of people doing meditation over an extended time, and the effect that that may have on um, indicators of social harmony in nearby cities. Uh, so, 
how the, how this has worked. That they started with um, noticing what happened in cities where one percent of the population had been trained in TM and were practicing TM every day. And what they saw in their initial study was that the crime rates in those cities uh, went down by, a, I think it was nine percent, whereas uh, the crime rates in other cities that were comparable in in various factors, uh, the crime rates were going up. Um, and they 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 did a couple of studies that control for very uh, for a lot of factors, um, and they found the same results. Um, then what happened was they noticed that when you had um, a large number of people practicing together in one place, not just people practicing in their own homes and sort of dispersed, but if they were together as, say, uh, like on a retreat, um, that the effect was amplified. So they came up with this formula, the square root of 1%, if the, if the, square, if the square root of 1% of any given population were together meditating, uh, doing TM in particular, um, then you would see that was the threshold amount, uh, the threshold number of meditators required to see a tangible impact on these um, measures of social harmony, uh, things like crime rates. So they also measured for things like um, if they were in a place that had, a, let's say, a war going on, they would, they would look at statistics around war intensity. Um, and they found over and over and over again that you do see this this quite significant uh, statistical correlation. The, the number of people in meditation goes up. You see the these the, the level of social harmony increase uh, according to these statistics. Um, uh, so you know it's a very uh, that is probably the most relevant uh, series of of studies. Um, there is also Global Consciousness Project, which grew out of Princeton, um, a psychologist at Princeton, Roger Nelson, it was building on um, parapsychological studies, which have shown they did these these parapsychological studies. began It began with uh, flipping coins. Uh, they they used to do these studies where you would flip a coin. And over a certain period, you would normally expect an even number of heads or tails, basically, if you do it long enough. And what the original studies tried was, what if you had someone sitting next to you while you were flipping a coin and intending for a certain outcome, let's say more heads and tails? And they would find uh, that there was evidence that that, that did have an effect, a, a small effect, but over time, uh, you know, some effect, which which uh, really shouldn't happen, you know, if if, if there's no mind-to-matter uh, link. Uh, and so over time, what happened is they, they automated that process by um, creating these random, these, these uh, electronic machines, that they random number generators, basically, um, which are, it's sort of like an electronic version of, of flipping a coin. Uh, and then similarly, they would have people sit in front of these machines and try and create... Um, like a non uh, non random result. <clears throat> anyway, what eventually what they what happened was they had um, they noticed that when Princess Diana died uh, and her funeral took place, and everyone around the world stopped to watch that, 
what they noticed was in a number of locations around the world where there were these random number generators, they all moved into non-random functioning at that time. And they, you know, they found that very fascinating. So they created this study where they have set up all around the world now um, dozens of these random number generators, and it's constantly feeding information into a central server. And they look at what happens when there's an event that captures the world's interest and attention. And and the, what they have found is, you know, after viewing hundreds of these events now, that there's this consistent uh, pattern where the, these random number generators moves into non-random at those times. Uh, and that includes global meditation events. They've done specific studies of over 100 uh, global meditation events, and they show a statistically significant result there. So it's, it, it suggests that uh, you know, when our collective attention uh, is focused in a certain way, especially when it comes into coherence, that it really um, does um, introduce a kind of, or, or it reduces the level of chaos in the world, you could put it that way, or increases the level of order in the world. Um, so um, yeah, so these the you know these scientific studies I think they're very um, significant in terms of meeting the left brain in us. Uh, we do live in a scientific culture, and um, you know there's enough evidence out there that uh, uh, for sure meets that skeptical part of us that wants to know if this is real, you know and. Um, so it's important in that way. Personally, I feel like uh, at the end of the day, we need to go beyond the science. And usually this is at the end of the day, uh, it re this, this notion is something that resonates intuitively at a deep level. Uh, that tends to be what, um, to, it, it, it's usually an experiential uh, or intuitive draw that takes people in, but the science, you know, helps meet that left brain, um, left side of our brain. Um, yeah. And the whole question of consciousness, you know, what consciousness is, is definitely a scientifically hot topic, and it's one that is very open to interpretation. Science really doesn't have a handle very much on what consciousness is. So um, there's, there's an openness in the field uh, to really understand what's going on with consciousness and what it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, David, this is a fascinating conversation, and I'm, I'm with you on that deep resonance of when people feel it and experience, they know. Um, yeah. So, and I love, though, that science can now begin to back us up. We have so much more to talk about. We need to take a quick break, and I want to give our listeners an opportunity to find out how to get a hold of you and talk about the other projects that you're working on. So we have so much more to talk about. So here we go. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with David Nickel and Subtle Activism. Have you ever lost a cat? And have you ever wanted to get your cat back after you lost it? Hi there, I'm Andrew Hoffman. I went on this website called inventnow.org. Then I decided to make an invention of my own. It's called the Lost Cat Magnet Invention. 
so you can get your cat back after you lost it. Just turn it on and lost cat stick to it. That's a good cat. If your cat was hiding up in a tree, it won't be up a tree anymore. It will be stuck to the lost cat magnet. And sometimes they fly toward you in the air. Just listen to one satisfied cat. See, that's proof. You should go to the inventnow.org website too. But just remember one thing. Don't do a lost cat magnet. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn. Or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the other you. The enchanted you. It's magic what flowers do. The adventurous you. My favorite tree, yes, is that one. The free-to-be-me you. (laughs) Ask your parents to take you to this not-so-far-away place. Come to the forest, where the other you lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org. And after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the Insta-Do. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side. And you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions, or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others or maybe just listen to it again, you can visit our website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archives as well as listing of upcoming guests. So again, that's thedrjulieshow.com. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected with Dr. Julie, where we continue the conversation. And once again, we are here today with David Nickel, author of Subtle Activism. And David, let's give our listeners um, your website and any way that they can get a hold of you. I know that you I think are mostly found at the Gaia Field Project, and um, let's let's give them that website. Okay, so yeah, the Gaia Field Project is a nonprofit uh, site, which is www.gaiafield.net, and I'll also give them uh, the Subtle Activism Network site, which is <clears throat> more where we uh, promote our trainings and courses, and that's uh, 
subtleactivism.net. Okay, excellent. So GaiaField.net and SubtleActivism.net. Well, this is a good place to differentiate those two then. I think um, I would love to hear you speak about these projects. You, you've been doing a lot of beautiful work, bringing people together and really teaching this, but also hosting some events yourself. And, and we know there's a plethora of beautiful initiatives on our planet right now, bringing people together in with shared intention, meditation, prayer, all kinds of beautiful things. And I really want to get us to tie in how subtle activism becomes this bridge of consciousness and the conscious yeah. movement with these others. But let's, let's start about that. And, and if you want to talk about the, um, the Gaia Field project. I think it's sure. it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, I mean, like as you say, it it feels like this is really an, an emergent idea. It's not any one person or any one group's uh, vision. This one of um, you know awakening consciousness on the planet and its power for transforming us all. I, I imagine most of your listeners on this program would be connected to that vision in some way or another. Um, the initial inspiration behind the Guyfield project was was recognizing just that um, that there were many different initiatives and projects who shared this vision of how we could bring together um, many people around the planet for these these potent acts of um, you know, spiritual intervention and, and, and bringing about more embodied unitive consciousness on the planet. Um, but what we observed was that there wasn't necessarily a lot of coherence and um, collaboration across those groups, even though there was a lot of um, you know, shared visions. And so the the inspiration behind the Guyfield project was to create the foundations and the, the tools and the um, all, all the elements that that could support the whole field uh, growing together in a um, to you know, maturing together and, and uh, developing easier ways to collaborate uh, so that the whole field could uh, come into coherence more. So uh, we've been, the Guy Food Project was, was established in 2006. And so it's basically been about building foundations for this field, which we're call, you know, we're calling it subtle activism as one way to think about this, this field. Um, and, Part of the work, you know, writing the book was one aspect of creating the book. Really creates a kind of conceptual foundation, if you like, for um, the field, which we hope can um, serve to you know, create that framework that helps unify many of these groups. Um, we also engaged in many collaborative events. We've we did the last two election cycles, we did a Wise USA event where we collaborated with many leading um, what we would call subtle activism projects and groups to uh, build a field of wisdom and compassion um, with the intention of supporting those qualities emerging in the field. Uh, and we'll, we'll do that again this year for sure. It feels like it's very much needed. Um, and so... So the Guyfield project was very much about laying the foundations, and it, and it continues to do that. We hold monthly calls for leaders in the field to bring uh, coherence across organizations, um, and um, uh, it's been 
uh, the beauty of the Guyfield project is it's really it's really been a um, project that's been guided by organic wisdom from the beginning and uh, we have a council of about nine to ten people who are themselves leaders in the field who have their own projects. They come together. We come together every week to uh, practice subtle activism, and we've done that since 2008. So it's been a, a, a wonderful way to constantly have this source of deep guidance from the field uh, to inform everything that we've been doing. Um, so the Subtle Activism Network is uh, something that has emerged out of the Guyfield Project. They're very connected, and it's um, a vehicle at that um, more for the trainings and uh, courses. Um, there's been a particular form of subtle activism practice that has emerged uh, for me in particular in the last year or so. Um, subtle activism in general is uh, a concept that applies to many different practices. You know, there are many. It's it's a big umbrella concept. So part of the uh, impetus behind uh, uh, defining the field of subtle activism is to create this broad framework so that it encourages um, many people from different traditions, different practices to adapt their practice, their style, their tradition to the realm of collective transformation. So that's sort of like one mission. And then uh, another aspect that has emerged is this, there's a particular approach to subtle activism that has emerged for, me, for well, through the Guyfield Project, but for me in particular, which is a, it's a particular way of working with groups to create very profoundly coherent group fields and then to apply those group fields uh, to, to uh, worldly situations. Uh, and so, so the, the courses and trainings that I do, um, uh, they're both teaching the, the general concept of subtle activism, but the more advanced ones, they're, they're more about going into this particular methodology that uh, has emerged for me. Um, so, yeah. The so guy field is more the, the the general umbrella, and the subtle activism network is more for the, the, the training programs and courses. Nice. Well, tell our listeners, um, and I I would love if you want to speak more about your particular approach with this yeah. um, this coherent field that you're building. But tell our listeners um, what might they expect in this training if they get on the subtle activism network. What can they find there? Yeah, well, we have a, a, an introductory training. Uh, the next one is starting in April, actually. Um, and it's a seven-week course. And um, so basically, the, the essence of the training is that we co-create a very profound and coherent group feel together. And that becomes the, the source and the basis for our subtle activism work. So it's very experiential um, at the same time, I do introduce the basic concepts of subtle activism. Um, I, you know, talk about what it is. I talk a little bit more about the science. Um, talk about the significance of subtle activism in our moment in the evolution of consciousness. Why it's important right now, and um, you know, how it can be part of the bigger changes that are happening on the planet at the moment. Um, I talk about the the um, 
principles of subtle activism, how best to, there are certain kind of principles that help you orient to this sort of practice, uh, get your mindset in the right way for it. Um, and it's, uh, but like I said, the, the heart of it is we engage in practices, we do practices each week that are helping specifically to build the, the subtle, what I call the subtle body of the group. Um, and at very profound levels, we become connected to each other. And then we're engaging each week in a creative practice that's holding a particular issue that's happening in the world, uh, you know, in our deep meditations. Um, and we're also engaging between sessions with a, a daily three-minute practice. We come into resonance every day for three minutes, and that helps to, to keep the, the field building in that time. Um, and then usually what happens is the, the creativity of the group gets activated. The, 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 uh, the heart of the group, the genius of the group gets activated. Um, and what we did last time was the group came up with a group project uh, which involved a, a global meditation that we did to support the climate change conference that happened in Paris last year. Uh, and that can be a, a, a wonderful fruit of of the courses is when the, the, the class field, the group field comes together in such a way that it aligns, it, it develops and executes its own subtle activism project. Uh, so, um, so it's a deep dive in, in a, in a, in a uh, relatively short time into you know, the principles and practices of subtle activism and this direct experience of a very profound group field that's being applied for something that's happening in the world that's that's of significance to the group. Nice. So from politics to the climate change and, and like we talked about before, social justice, environmental sustainability, peace, there's so many movements out there. What kind of students are enrolling? Maybe you don't even call them students, but yeah. who's interested in the Subtle Activism Network? They don't have to be out there doing the direct action activism, and then I'd uh, love to hear the difference between. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that what I'm seeing is, yeah, I don't really think of them as students. I've been really pleasantly surprised by the quality of people who've been attracted to the course, who are you know, leaders in their own right. Um, usually, I feel like the, the majority of the people are people who have done quite a lot of spiritual work, who have reached a certain level of uh, sophistication in that, and are looking for something more. There's something about the appeal to um, go beyond their own you know, personal awakening, personal development, and being part of something larger that is at the same time an expression of their spiritual realization. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would say the largest number of people fit that description who you know, have done, have done work on themselves for a while and looking for the next step. Um, it also we also do draw from people from the activist world. I would say more um, you know, people who are passionate about making a difference, um, but have fa found some sort of frustration or disillusionment in uh, the more regular uh, ways to do that. Where they, uh, I think, some of the challenge for activists is 
um, if you're having to hit your head against the wall of um, the suffering in the world and, and just immerse yourself in that uh, too much, then you can lose connection with the very source of inspiration that is needed in the first place to bring transformation to these, these areas. And so it can also be people who are coming from that angle who are looking for a community, a sangha, that can uh, provide a source of you know, wisdom, inspiration, love um, that they can infuse into their projects in the world. Um, so I would say they're the two most uh, common populations that we draw from. Nice. Okay, so I'm going to just take a little side trip here because you, you mentioned the political arena and this will be our year. So what, take us through a formation of this. If you're going to be offering um, some collective meditations, doing actually hands-on subtle activism with the political arena of yeah. 2016, what might that look like and how would they get involved? Yeah. Well, um, to be honest, that program is still taking shape for us. We're, we're still in uh, conversations within our team about exactly what our Wise USA program is going to look, look like this year. Um, but um, you know, I'm, one of the projects that I'm doing is a monthly glo free global meditation in, in collaboration with the Shift Network. We're calling it Global Shift Meditations. And that will be on, uh, I believe that's going to be on the 28th of each month. Um, and we're, we're very keen to make the, the Wise USA theme be uh, a leading theme in that program this year. So that's one form it might take. Um, um, you know, what we've done before, which I think I would like to do again, is invite a number of leading socially engaged spiritual teachers to take turns to lead different meditations. Uh, so I think, I think what's likely is, especially when we get into um, the fall and the, you know, the election season is really, um, really, you know, at its fullest that we'll be offering this particular, it will be a, it'll be a free public program and it, it'll be a series of practices where you, Basically, it's like creating a field, a consistent field, with you know, hundreds of thousands of others going into a deep space and holding a particular intention together that we're um, seeding into the collective psyche. Um, and uh, what we've what we've done before, as well as, and I think we'll do this this year, is. Uh, offer a practice on election eve. Uh, it can be an extremely potent time when everyone is intently um, captivated by what's about to happen. This this event of you know enormous global um, you know, influence um, and coming together at that time is often the peak of the program to to sort of bless and consecrate the electoral process uh, create at a very deep level this this energetic template for um, for wisdom, love, compassion to be infused into that process, um, and you know to do 
to do what we can. It's 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 like um, it's not guaranteeing any particular result, but it's but it can be a very meaningful experience to do to to uh, come together with many others to join into these these profound states of of you know, collective um, contemplation and intention, um, and to be seeding the field. It can be a very satisfying feeling that you've contributed. Um, you know, your presence, your heart, your prayerfulness uh, to that, to the collective situation can be very empowering to do that. Especially, you know, I'll just say this, especially these days, it's such a, um, uh, such, it's, it's such a temptation or it's so easy to get lost in the, the, the kind of energy that we are receiving through the the media about the political process, you know, it's so sensationalist. Um, it's so uh, fear-inducing. Uh, it's very important, I think, to be able to come into these spaces where we're engaging with the process from a different level of consciousness, and you get to see uh, see things differently. Deeper insights emerge. Um, you're getting pro, you know, we're getting so programmed by the messaging through the the media, uh, and this is, a, is about gauging in a way where you get to, you know, open to your own deeper guidance about what's really going on and how to orient to it. It can be, you know, a very meaningful way to engage. Mm. It does sound meaningful. It really is beautiful, David. And the thing that I really appreciate about your explanation here is that. Quite literally, you're just creating a field and infusing that with a higher wisdom um, and really tapping into that. For example, you use the the meme, which is really powerful, Wise USA. So you're not literally directing the outcome of an election so much as moving us into a consciousness of right. wisdom for our country. Right. And, and thank you for saying that. I think it's important to, to say we don't take any position in terms of, you know, this candidate or that candidate. It's the intention is uh, to uplift the whole country toward wisdom, toward compassion. Um, and that can manifest in all kinds of ways. You know, ultimately, it's it's leaving the specific outcome to the you know, universal will, if you like, the divine will. Um, but putting, seeding that that general intention of wisdom into the field, uh, and and I'll just say this: having done this work for a number of years now, you know, in, in the beginning, it was like a, a an intuition, uh, you know, a sense that this was a possibility, this was real. The longer that I've done it, the fact is, the more powerful I feel it actually is, um, and. You know, that's it's just from engaging in these projects, seeing what tends to happen in the world uh, following these projects. It's always hard to claim precisely that you know we did this uh, subtle project, and then you see this outcome. It's always hard. You know, I never make um, uh, extreme concrete claims about us causing that, but nonetheless, intuitively. Uh, from what I've seen, more and more I see, you know, this it's it's a profoundly powerful way to engage because it it, it tends to uh, initiate things at a very causal level, 
Um, and we really do see uh, effects that are in alignment with the intentions that we bring. So I think it's very, very interesting. You also bring up another good point, David, that um, you're seeing results at a causal level. You're seeing um, this alignment and, and this subtle activism at work, but it also opens us to this deeper creative potential that wants to come through, this emergent co-creative impulse that moves yeah. through the collective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think... One of the greatest um, aspects of this work is that it simply provides an opening, a space for something different to come in, something new to come in. It's like um, it, it's, a, it's an, an, an opening for the creative source to move through us in various ways. And, um, and there is something about, too, about um, doing it together that so much it feels like of our uh, evolution is toward co-creation, you know, this notion of democratizing our spirituality so it's not just coming from you know, the guru down, but that we're all together empowered to bring you know, our own um, spiritual gifts, spiritual insights, spiritual creativity, spiritual connection to the source to bring that together, what kind of fields can we create when we're doing that together? You know, that's what I—that's why I'm so excited about, um, mm. and what, where I see the the true potential of this work. Yeah. So I, I know this is going to be impossible. We have about two minutes left, and I just want to remind our our listeners that they can find you, David Nickel, at both thegaiafield.net and subtleactivism.net. So in two minutes or less, David, with that vision, with that excitement of what can come, what is your vision of a positive future here? What, what might unfold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I feel like... What I'm most called to do, my, my my vision, is that we can see the emergence across the planet of um, what I'm calling like a, um, a subtle ecosystem. I, I, sometimes I think of my work as a reforestation project um, on a subtle level. It's like um, creating these systems of uh, groups that are connected at these very deep levels, these fields uh, that I think of as as real ecosystems, like spiritual subtle ecosystems that foster creativity and wisdom. Uh, And so one of my goals is to um, support the emergence of networks um, in many different cities and many different countries of people who are committed to uh, consistently practicing in a way that helps to bring through into this planet that wisdom. And I think that there is a possibility of us becoming, you know, a a wise planet, developing a global wisdom civilization. Uh, If we can learn to, um, about these potentials, of you know, how to open together to 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 guidance. Um, yeah, and, uh, beautiful. 
Yeah. Beautiful. That deep, deep creative source. Yes. David, thank you so much. I am going to be watching the Gaia field. I am going to be watching you and all of your work. I love everything you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing you and your essence with us and our listeners today. Thank you, Julie. It's been a real pleasure, and, and it's, it's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to, to share at this level, and, and I, I really appreciate the, the welcome that you provide. Thank you. Oh, you are so welcome. And listeners, again, this is Subtle Activism with David Nickel. Go out and learn more on the net. And next week, another amazing guest. I'm looking forward to it. So join us right back here next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. <music> 